0: This message was recorded at North 2013, an event organized by Christ Central, part of New Frontiers. You can find out more about Christ Central by visiting our website, christcentralchurches.org. Well, I'm glad I didn't have a door to go through. My head wouldn't have fit through the door on that one. But it is great to be here and a real privilege to be able to share and to speak this morning. And so I thank Jeremy and the team for asking me. And certainly I bring greetings from our church in Fredericton, and uh, some of them are up right at the moment who are praying. Uh, It's about whatever, just after seven back home. I don't know if anyone at Reese's Church is up praying. Uh, They're another four hours behind, so at three, maybe they're just going to bed, so maybe they're going to be praying for us as well. But it is uh, great to be here, and we're really thrilled, and I know we've been praying for this whole weekend and to be here. Uh, Just to give you a little bit of update on Canada, as you've already heard, sort of from Clyde and Rochelle in Toronto and Ontario, for Reese out in Vancouver. Now, you have to understand this. Where we are in Fredericton on the East Coast, we are closer to you here at this meeting in North than we are Reese in Vancouver. So, Reese is four hours that way. You're four hours that way. So, if you come in to pop in on Reese and you think, hey, we'll see Joe along the way, it's probably not going to happen, Okay. Now, Clyde and Rochelle, before our church plant in Charlottetown, which I'll talk about in a second, they where they are in Toronto, they're the closest Christ Central New Frontiers church to us, and that's a fifteen hour drive in good weather. One one way. That's the closest church. So Canada's huge, it has six time zones, from Newfoundland, Labrador, all the way out to where Reese is six. Okay? So, anyways, just to say Those are some of the challenges we have in meeting together. So we have to come to England for all the Canadians to gather together. So we thank you for hosting us so that we can be here. All right. I also want to bring greetings from my wife, Angela, and our four kids. And uh, hopefully someday, as something uh, continues in the future, we will all be able to get here. And uh, one night, uh, we have our, uh, as Scott Marks is sharing about having their gathering with their family in the morning, we gather at supper time. We found this to be a helpful thing, so all parents, you can, this is a freebie, okay, we combine our devotion with dessert. So we've combined looking forward to dessert with looking forward to God's word and praying together. So that's just a freebie, all right? And I said to my kids uh, a little while ago, I said, you know what? Again, Dad's going to be going to England. I'm going to be speaking to like a lot of people. So I asked them, what do you think I should speak on? So here are the things. So my 10-year-old son, Micah, three boys and a girl, he said this, Dad should speak on heaven and speak that Jesus is always with us. That's really good. So my eight-year-old Noah said this. Teach them, Dad, to don't bow down to idols and to use your manners. Okay, that's that's, that's a pretty good one, too. We'll see if we can. My six-year-old Jarrett, I think he's going to be the evangelist, okay? He said, Dad, speak about the Bible and teach that there is only one true God. Wow. Maybe he needs to come and speak. I think this is the best one yet. This is my three-year-old daughter, Anna. She said this. Tell them this, Ed, don't worry, because monsters are just shadows and not real, therefore don't be afraid. <laughs> I could be done right now, and that's a great message right there. So I'm going to, try to, I'm going to try to touch on all those things, but today's message is really this, okay? If we're going to go, and I love the name North because we consider ourselves in, in Canada North, <laughs> If we're going to go north to the nations and we're going to take these values, which are dear to our heart, on on these banners. If we're going to be enjoying God together, being friends together. If we're going to build church together, empowered by word and spirit. If we're going to go and bring in the kingdom of God and we're going to transform the world. And if we're going to go to the nations and make disciples, I believe God wants us to know some fundamental things here this morning. That we need to have deep in our heart, deep within our spirit, that we are rooted and grounded and established in Him. As we're going to go, we've got to make sure what we're going for, what we're going to say when we go, and what are we going to build as we go along. And I believe God wants to cement in some fundamental things. And this ties together with everything Scott talked about. This ties together with Adrian last night. So if you're here and you're a Christian, you were just a Christian last night, and maybe this is your first message after being saved last night, this is a great message for you. Okay? This is a great one for you to hear right away. And if you've been a Christian for 50 years, this is a great message for you as well. Okay? And we're going to set the platform for what Jeremy's going to speak tonight as Jeremy comes and talks more about the presence of God. So I'm going to be speaking from Jesus' commission to his followers. And I'm also going to just try to bring, try to earth it some, just in a bit in our experience in Fredericton and some of my own personal experience. So if you have your Bibles with you, Matthew 28 last chapter in the first book of the New Testament. Jesus, just to set the context, and it goes, again, perfect with what Adrian was talking about last night. Jesus is about to return to heaven, okay? He's died on the cross for our sins. By God's power, he's been resurrected from the dead. He's appeared to his disciples. He's about to ascend back into heaven. He's giving this commission to his disciples, and this is where we pick up the story. So, Resurrection has just taken place. That's really important. And I'm just, for the sake of time, just going to read the last few verses, beginning at verse 16 of Matthew 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I love the honesty of the Bible. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What a great commission. But I want to start out with some foundational things that I know I believe God wants to speak and earth in today. As we talk about mission, we need to have some things really solidified that we know our starting point is this. We need to receive things from God first before we go to give away. So the first thing we're going to talk about is all about what we receive from God before we go for God. And the first thing we're going to talk about, I'm going to use three illustrations, and they're all found, hopefully, in your wallet or your purse, okay? So this is, I want you to remember this, because every time you pull out these things out, I want you to remember this message and this truth, Okay? So, the first thing I'm going to, have to pull out is my ID. Okay? So, here's my ID, and hopefully, all of you have that in your purse or in your wallet. And what's ID for? It's all about your identity. And the question I want to ask first thing here this morning is what is your identity? Who are you? And it's one of those universal questions, isn't it? Like, who am I? And it's one that we all try to figure out. I don't care what background you're from. We all sort of ponder that. And all around the world, people are trying to figure out who they are. Who am I? Before we get to what am I about, it's like, who am I? That's a great question. And we try to answer it all kinds of different ways, don't we? So you're saying, Joe, who are you? I'd say, I am Canadian. So we sometimes define our identity by where we're from, our nationality, maybe our ethnic backgrounds. Okay, that's one way. A lot of times we do it, what do I do? So we meet someone. It happens every time, right? For me, it's kind of funny because I'm a pastor. So I try to hold off on that one as long as I can when I'm on the airplane. Because as soon as I actually tell them what I do, they usually stop asking questions. Okay? But what do you do? I'm a pastor. I'm a whatever it might be. That, that can be your identity. Okay? Here's a big one. Sports. Now, you've been quiet so far. But I'm going to mention a few names, and I'm sure I'm going to get a response, okay? A lot of people identify themselves by their sporting team, okay? So I might say Man City. I might say Man United. I might say Newcastle United. I might even say Sunderland. I said I might even say Sunderland, Newcastle United, Sunderland. Yeah, I didn't get as much as response on that one as I thought it would. You're, be- you're behaving yourselves. Okay, another one. Especially in our day and time, people define themselves by their sexuality. So that's the first thing you ask people. That's the first thing they tell you. Kind of a strange one, but that's a big one in our day. Sometimes people define it by maybe their religious ability. I'm Catholic. I'm Protestant. I'm an atheist, agnostic. Okay, and here's the thing. Whether you realize or not, you have advertising companies and people watching you on Facebook and billions of dollars being spent to conform you and to try to mold and shape your identity into being a follower of something. So are you a follower of Nike or Adidas or Reebok? Coke? Pepsi? You can go through. And you don't realize the amount of stuff that's coming at you through all kinds of different ways to mold you and shape you into an identity that's based on worldly things. Now, if anyone struggles with identity, okay, I've, got a couple, I've got two good reasons. Okay? The first reason I'm going to tell you, I never had an issue with until I actually came to England. So it's your fault. Because okay? <laughs> I actually grew up in the province of Nova Scotia in a little place called Pugwash. Oh, ho, 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 ho. You were laughing way too hard on that one. Now, in Canada, I say that, nobody raised really saying. I came to England, everyone's like, oh, ho, 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 ho. Pugwash. So I got Captain Pugwash the rest of the time. Okay. Oh, man. I had enough identity issues, let alone add another one to it. Because, as I mentioned, my last name is Crummy. So growing up, I love sports, I would pick my sports teams based on this. If there was a sports team where the kit or jersey didn't have the names on the back of the number, I'd pick that one. Because <laughs> you can imagine the abuse you take if your last name is crummy and it's written for everyone to see. Or how about this one? This is a good one too. This happened all the way through school. Alphabetical order, and they start with the last names. I hate it, this one. Okay, Ash, David, Ash. So Ash, David, by Roger, Crummy Joe. <laughs> and if they didn't leave a gap in between, Crummy Joe. And then the professor would say, oh, that must be a typo. I'm so, I'm so sorry. No, that's my real, that's my real name. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I think if we're honest with ourselves, wherever you come from, whatever your last name is, whatever your background. You've been either pressurized in, in trying to identify with something here on planet Earth and the world we live in, or you've been hurt in some way or bullied in some way or something. You remember Adrian's story last night? with The girl, the 15-year-old, they wrote all the stuff on the chalkboard. She turned around, that imprinted, that changed her identity, didn't it? Now, here's the important thing. We have to understand we've got to stop looking at the world for our identity and actually what people say about us. And here's a fundamental truth that every one of us need to know. We need to receive our identity from the living God. We need to receive our identity from what God says about us. Because here are the things God says about us, okay? Adrian went over sort of what we are apart when we don't know God, when we don't know Jesus. We're really lost. were, We're dead. We're separated from God. And he went through that last night. But the good news is this. God made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, for us to be restored, if you remember that picture last night, to be restored with our Father in heaven. And as soon as we're restored with our Father in heaven, things change. Your identity changes. So like I said, you might be a Christian just for, what, over 12 hours. This is true for you. Your identity has changed. This is what we read in God's word. Here's one of them. 2 Corinthians 5:16 and 17. The Apostle Paul writes this regarding becoming a Christian. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So if you're a Christian here this morning, we got a different set of lens on now to, re- as we look at anyone. We don't regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we used to think Jesus was just a swear word, whatever, someone in human history. That's how we used to think. We do so no longer. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So if you're a Christian, guess what? You are a new creation. Hallelujah! That is good news. So despite your past, despite maybe what you're proud of, or maybe what you're not so proud of, you have a new beginning. In Christ you are a new creation. Now we don't have time to go into it, but the Bible says all kinds of Other things. Okay? Adrian, we become a son, a child of God. Okay? When we're not Christians, we can say this. You might believe in God and say, God's my creator. We can all say that. Not everyone can say that God is our father. We have to come in through the son. We have to be reconciled and redeemed. And once so, we are now in Christ. Okay? We are now, God looks at us as he sees his son, Jesus. And Jesus got his identity from his father. So if you read right the first book of Mark, okay, Jesus, at his baptism, he received his identity from the Father. This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Because Jesus heard a lot the rest of the way. Some people said he was this, some people say that. He knew who he was because he received it from God. And we need to receive our identity from God. That we're a new creation. That we're a son of God. That God is now our Abba Father. The Bible also says this, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're now part of a family. So this is a two-part deal. Not only does your individual identity change, you're a new creation, you're a son of God, you're a brother and sister in Christ. We're now family. Clyde started it off this morning, didn't he, saying, hey, we're children of the same family. We receive a corporate identity. And Peter writes this, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Woo! We got a double identity, don't we, in a sense. We get individual and together corporate. Once you weren't a people, once you weren't on a team, but now you're the people of God. You're called, you're chosen, you are together, worshiping God family that's our identity did we earn it no how do we get it we receive it's a gift isn't it when we receive christ we receive all the things that come with it and we receive our identity we don't earn it we can't try to make it up it's not wishful thinking it's the truth we receive it we believe it and we take ownership of it and folks our identity in christ it trumps everything else It trumps everything else. What other people might tease you, say about you from your past right now, okay? And whatever Satan tries to whisper to you, knowing who you are in Christ and your identity cancels out all those lies that Satan would try to put doubt and fear and to distract you and to depress you and discourage you. When you know who you are in Christ, it trumps all those things. Now, here's a very helpful little illustration, okay? There's a lady in my church... She's going through a tough time. She felt God was calling her into something new, and she asked for prayer. And Krista, a lady in our church, prayed for her, and she had this picture for her. And I thought, this is a great picture. So I asked for Krista's permission to use this, okay? And this is sort of the scenario. So you picture, if you were up here and you're saying, man, I'm really struggling with some things. I know I'm in Christ, but God's calling me to do some things, and I'm really battling my identity and all the different things that come with it. This is the picture, okay? Krista said this, and you can apply it to yourself. She saw a picture, she said, you were really frightened because you were going to a place you had never been to before. You approached something that looked like a bar with a couple of huge bouncers. To use that term, the guys at the door that won't let you in, huge bouncers. And at the top of the steps, and they wouldn't let you in, but you produced your ID, and they moved right out of the way. And the doors opened, and everyone inside cleared a path for you. And when you looked down at your ID... It wasn't a picture of you at all. It was of Jesus. He is your identity. He has your back, but he also leads the way. And even in dark places, his name is feared, and his passage is sure. When you pull out your ID from now on, you look—it's Jesus. Okay? He's your identity. So I don't have to be afraid of crummy Joe anymore. It's Jesus. That's my identity. And guess what? I'm included with you. Even though we're from different nations, all those things, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, the same Holy Spirit. We are the people of God. We are the body of Christ. So important we receive our identity from God. The next big question is this. So who am I? We receive our identity. We're a new creation. We're in Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're the people of God. All those things. The next big universal question is this. What am I here for? What's my purpose? Okay? And Fredericton's university town. We have a lot of university students, and that is usually number one on the list. Okay, what am I here for? What should I go to school for? What should be my career? What should be my vocation? Great questions, but most people are like this. Ah, if I only knew. God gives us some very clear, I'm going to say general, but don't take away from that term, some clear things about our purpose here on planet Earth. And if we can get those established, then the more specific things will flow out of that. Okay? Here's what God says we are. We just read one of them. Peter said, you're the people of God, you're chosen, you're called, and this is one of the things you do. You declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Another way of saying that, we're called to be worshipers of God. So what's our purpose? We're to commune and have relationship and worship God. That's what we're doing here this morning. Now that's both in singing and our hearts and all that, and that's in everyday life. Okay? So out of your identity comes your purpose. We are a worshiper of God. And we know that individually, and guess what? We get to do that together. Okay? The Bible says some other things. Let me just read them off to you very quickly, okay? And this goes along with being a worshiper. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's being a worshiper, okay? You don't need to go to a guidance counselor to figure that one out, okay? It's right there. We are all, that's your purpose, it's to have a relationship with God, to worship God, to love God, okay? They asked Jesus this in his day, and they're like, Jesus, okay, what do we do, Jesus? And this is sort of in our culture, like, what do we do? Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And they said that to Jesus as well. And in John 6, 28 and 29, they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? What do we do? What's our purpose? What do we do? And Jesus said this, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So part of your purpose is to believe in the one who was sent in Jesus. And that's what Adrian was explaining last night. And as we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then Jesus says things like this. Mark 1 again. He said to his disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Okay? I'm going to make you, as I'm going and telling people about God's love, about being reconciled, you follow me and I'm going to do that with you. He says this in Matthew 16:18. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So what's Jesus doing? He's building his church. You might not understand what university you go to. You might not understand your career, your calling. But let's get a few things straight. Your purpose on planet Earth is to worship God. Your purpose is to believe Jesus. Your purpose is to follow Jesus. And your purpose is to be part of the church that he's building. And he gave that great commission to say, go, make disciples, baptizing teaching them, doing all those things. That is our purpose. Now that gets fulfilled through all kinds of different ways. So Clyde and Rochelle are doctors, that gets fulfilled, and them in their workplace, being worshipers of God, believing Jesus, following him, going, making disciples, baptizing. Angela, my wife, she's in the workplace. For the last eight years, she's been home with our kids. Her calling in both of those situations, which are equally valid and important, is to be a worshiper of God to believe in Jesus, to follow Jesus, to obey, to hear his voice, to go and make disciples, to baptize them and to teach them and to allow them to go and make disciples as well. And in that, Jesus is building his church. That's the purpose that we are created for. We receive that purpose. You don't have to wrestle trying to figure out what God's general will is. That is the will of God. So you can rest in that. You can rest in, okay, no matter what I'm doing, am I going and making disciples? Am I believing Jesus? Am I following Jesus? Am I worshiping God? If you're doing those things, God will show you the next steps of how that gets worked out in everyday life. But don't get confused. Don't wonder, oh, man, what am I supposed to do, and what's my purpose, and all these things. Let's be clear. We don't have to try to make those things up, folks. We receive our identity. We receive our purpose. Okay, I love this quote. This is from John Jensen from Wycliffe. He's talking about the church. Just as a summary, he says this, I can't think of any greater movement to be involved in than bringing God's truth to the nations. He says it makes the UN and the environmentalist movement look like nursery school. It's like comparing Beethoven's Fifth Symphony to a TV commercial. Given a real choice, why would someone want to dedicate his or her life to something with only temporary value? When he or she could be involved with a cause with eternal significance. Okay, let's not waste our lives. Let's be about the purposes of God. And the next question is this. Okay, I've got my identity. I'm getting some purpose lined up. And the next question really comes to this. How in the world am I supposed to do this? So it's that yes, but how? Okay, God, that's really good. I'm receiving my identity individually, together. I'm receiving purposes, okay? We're going to be together, the purpose, okay? And we're doing that individually and together. But I don't know about you, but I'm like, how am I supposed to do that? (laughs) Did any of you feel that? If you were a Christian here last night when Adrian was up here praying and everything, you're kind of like, I'm glad Adrian's doing that because I don't know if I could do that. (laughs) You're like, how am I supposed to obey God? How am I supposed to follow his commandments? How am I supposed to worship? How am I supposed to go and make disciples? How, how, how? Well, this is how the world works, okay? Sorry, Jeremy, I didn't put my credit card in the offering, okay? That's a confession. The world works this way, okay? Credit card represents our self sufficiency because. It's my name on the credit card, and I work and I strive, and in our world, it's kill or be killed, and so I'm going to make it on my own, and self-sufficiency is what most people think when it comes to, how am I going to get something done? I'm going to have to be the one to do it, and people try to do it in their own strength, and they're proud when they succeed, and they're absolutely suicidal. When they fail. And the good news is this. We don't have to be like that. Jesus said. Go and make disciples. Baptize. Teach. And he gave the answer in the command didn't he? And behold I am with you always to the end of the age. God provides his presence. God provides. He gives a promise saying I will be with you. Now, God could have done this, okay, because this has happened to me. And I'm a dad, and I think as parents you can probably relate to this, okay? Before Christmas, Angela and I, we search high and low because we're trying to find the perfect gift for our kids. So we're starting now in August to get ready for Christmas. And I don't know if you've done this before, if this has happened to you, but it happened to us. We look for the perfect gift. We find the perfect gift. And no matter how prepared you are, it seems like you're up till 3 in the morning on Christmas Eve, and you're wrapping the gift, and you're getting frustrated, but everything's totally done. And then you get three hours sleep because they're up at 6, and you're trying to be happy because it's Christmas morning. And as you go, and you're, but you have this sort of expectation that you're going to be satisfied because when they open their gift, they're going to be so full of joy, and they're going to be so appreciative and thankful that it's going to all be worth it. And they open the gift... And have you ever had this happen? As they unpackage the gift and everything, they come to you and you're just waiting for, yes, I know, I'm a good dad. Yes, you don't know how much work and everything, but that's okay. And they come and say, Dad, but the batteries aren't here. (laughs) Batteries? I didn't read anything about they're supposed to be batteries. And as you know, the batteries that are required are never the batteries that you have in your house. (laughs) And instead of being thankful and cheerful, and appreciative, the mood turns very sour very quickly because you know in the back of your head it's Christmas Day and there are no stores that are open to go get the batteries. But out you go, usually in a snowstorm, to the convenience store where the price of batteries are ten times the price they are (laughs) anywhere else. A few of you are relating to the store. And back you go because the gift that you gave needed batteries for it to do What it was made to do. Now, folks, here's what a lot of people think about Christianity. First part yes, I'm a new creation. Yes, okay, I have a purpose. I'm to do these things. But I guess, even though I'm new, I'm kind of stuck on my own to make these things happen. And I'll just try to plug through and I'll try to sin less than I did before. I'll try to obey the Ten Commandments. I'll try to go and make disciples. I'll try to pray for the sick, and we think we have to do it all on our own. And, folks, that's like getting a gift, a new gift. It's a great gift, but it has no batteries to empower it to do what it was meant to do. And the good news is this. Jesus says, I'm going to send one just like me to come and to be your helper and your counselor and your comforter, and your teacher and jesus said this you will receive power when the holy spirit is upon you and you will be my witnesses paul is able to say this in second timothy 1 7 for god did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind jesus said if you're about making disciples i'm with you so as we go And as God calls us to do these things, he's going to empower us to do the things. He's going to put the batteries inside. He puts his own spirit inside that empowers us and enables us to do the things he wants us to do. Hallelujah. So the good news is this. You don't have to do it on your own. Now, the tough thing in our world is that flies against everything the world says about be your own man and be strong and be self-sufficient. Because we have to humble ourselves to say, I need help. To do the things that God wants us to do. And Reese touched on it. And in different cultures, different things, okay, it reveals itself a different way. Certainly West Coast, North America, I'm not sure here, England. Okay, it's very cool to be spiritual. It's very cool to have sort of your yoga thing over here, and that's my spiritual part. And new age things here, and I'm trying to release the energy from within me. And it's all about, hey, we've had people come in our church, worship, and they're just like, man, there's good energy in here. There's good karma in here. Because people are experiential. They're trying to understand. It's the Holy Spirit. That's who they're encountering. Okay? And let me give you a quote from A.W. Tozer. Okay? He said this. He uses Second Corinthians 3.5, where Paul says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. And Tozer makes this comment on that passage. He says, this is the difference between Christianity and all the cults and religions. All of them try to wake up what you already have. And Christianity says, what you have is not enough. You will need the power which is sent from above. That is the difference. The others say, stir up the thing that is in you. And they expect this to be enough. And Tozer says this, by way of illustration... If there were four or five lions coming at you, you would never think of saying to a little French poodle, Wake up the lion in you! That would not work. It just would not be enough. They would chew the little fellow up and swallow him, haircut and all, because a French poodle just isn't sufficient for a pack of lions. Some power outside of himself would have to make him bigger and stronger than the lion if he were to conquer. That is exactly what the Holy Spirit says he does for the Christian believer. But the other religions still say, concentrate, free your mind, release the creative powers that lie within you. Christians say, we are not self-sufficient, but I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Woo! All of a sudden, we have that... What did Adrian say? We have that peace and we have that confidence because we have the Holy Spirit living within us that now I know my identity... Now I know my purpose, but I'm empowered to live out my identity and my purpose. And the great thing is this, and Jeremy's going to speak on this tonight, so I'm just doing one little thing because he's going to expand it, okay? Is again, it's not just an individual thing. It's a together corporate thing. Not only does the Holy Spirit live and reside and dwell in us to empower us and to enable us, the Holy Spirit dwells with us us together when we meet together as Christians. And Paul says in Ephesians 2:21 to 22, where Jeremy will pick it up tonight, in Christ the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in Christ you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So individually and together God has promised his presence with us. He promised it with Moses, Joshua, all that. New New Testament, Jesus said, I'm going to be with you always to the end. As you go, I'm coming with you. But I won't be with you physically, but I'm going to put my spirit, my eternal spirit, who's just like me, who's going to help you and enable and empower you both individually and together. Now, here's the thing. Okay? we have to receive those truths we have to always rest in them we have to make sure we are completely convinced and stay in those truths that's the part we need to be sure of before in a sense we ever get going you have to know who you are you have to know what you're about what's your purpose you have to know how are you equipped to live out what you are now briefly because our time's going i just want to share three things That we, as Christians, individually and together, as we receive those things from God, there are some things we need to wrestle with. Those first three, you're not trying to make those up. You receive them. You receive your identity. You didn't earn it. It's a gift. You receive your calling and your purpose from God. You don't create it yourself. It comes from God. You receive the Holy Spirit from God. These things we need to wrestle with. And I'm going to share three things briefly. First thing we need to wrestle with okay. And I promise you, Kevin saw my notes before this weekend. I did not steal this from Scott Marks, okay? But two of the things he mentioned are the same two that I'm going to say. And I said to Jeremy, should I change them? Or do you think really God wants to emphasize? <laughs> because we didn't compare notes. And the first one is this. Jeremy said, stick with it. We're going to stay with it. These are the things we wrestle with. first one is we wrestle in prayer together. Jesus prayed. Morning, night. He prayed so much and was so different in his prayers, the disciples were like, Jesus, you've got to teach us how to pray, man. And he did. We see in the New Testament, New Testament churches prayed. When persecution broke out, what's the first thing they did? They gathered and they prayed together. And then the building shook. Okay? Peter's in prison, the New Testament church, but they prayed together. We see the power of prayer. Paul prayed. His letters are filled with prayer, 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 prayer. prayer. Okay? Terry Virgo prayed. Still praying. Okay? And as a model for our movement of prayer, Jeremy and Ann pray. One of the most impressive things, okay, Reese is being quite humble because you hear the stories, but you don't hear all the hard work in the last two years. And Reese gives us an update every week to our church because we're connected. And the first thing Reese every day Sarah and I prayed every day. Reese, I prayed. That's the first thing every entry in is they prayed first before anything else comes. Okay. Now, I don't know about here, but I can tell you this. In North America, if you look at church websites, if you look at their bulletin or their newsletter, anything like that, to me, the biggest gap in doctrine, theology, everything, is this. Very rarely will you ever see anywhere any mention of prayer. Now, you might pray in your small groups. You might pray, you know, men together, women together. Those are all legit. But what's missing is this. There's no prayer meeting. It's the number one thing that gets chopped off in churches in the calendar of things. And folks, from the word of God, from God speaking through us here this morning, okay? urge together. We need to wrestle together in prayer. We, as elders, we were convicted of this in 2009. We had a monthly prayer meeting, and this is just for us. you got to work it out in your own... Con- yes, we're praying in our life groups and anything like that, but God really spoke to us about the importance of prayer. And we said, you know what? We need to pray every week. And whether we get five people, 50, 500, we just need to have a corporate time when we know, and yes, we're praying in our life group. All that's legit, okay? But we need a corporate time to pray. And you know what? In 2009, we can trace it, okay? Everything that's happened in our local church, what we're involved with, Vancouver, what we're involved with, with Andrew and Janet, who we've just sent out to Charlottetown, the church plant there, who are physically there now from Ontario, came with us for a year in Fredericton. We're here at North before they're there. Things are started. All of those things came out of our corporate prayer meeting. Prophecies released in prayer. So Andrew and Janet called from Ontario, come to Fredericton. All of that started in prayer meetings. Reese, Sarah, all of that started at our end in prayer meetings. Okay? People coming early days to help us, we prayed together. People needed, you know, all the legal requirements to get in. And at one of our prayer meetings, as we were praying and we we're pressing through, this great prophecy came out. And this person shared about seeing all of the red tape. Do you have that expression for admin and all the red? They said, I just see this ball of red tape and God is stretching it out and it's becoming a red welcome mat. And we've just seen things and we've remembered that as we've battled through. Come on, God, you said you showed us that picture. We don't know how people are going to get into the country. We're not quite sure, but we believe they're called here. God, would you take the red tape and would you roll it out into a great red welcome mat? And God's done it time time in time. But we've wrestled together in prayer. we wrestled together and God's been speaking to us as a church about being an Antioch base, sending and resourcing people and reaching out. And God's given us a heart to reach out into the 12 towns and cities in Atlantic Canada in our area that have universities and colleges for us to have churches there. Charlottetown being one that we're just getting started in to really affect the nations who are coming to the university to affect influencers who are going to go into the rural areas, all of that came out of our prayer meeting. Now, the elders shape it and mold it, all those things. But you know what? Everybody contributes. It's the church together praying together. And I encourage you as churches, as a movement, to wrestle in prayer together. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Colossians 4.12 Paul says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm and all the will of God mature and fully assured. Now, as I said, we are quite isolated, our church on the East Coast, for many, many years, okay? And I had Dave and Rosie Fellingham and Dawn and Stephanie Smith, Dawn and Stephanie in Eastbourne, Dave and Rosie and Brighton, okay? And I knew... Little old me, alone, getting this thing started. I knew they were wrestling in prayer for me. And the confidence I gained when I knew, behind the scenes, they were praying that I would stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured, got me through a lot of different things. Because I knew they were praying and wrestling in prayer. And we need to wrestle in prayer for Sweden. We need to wrestle in prayer for Toronto. We need to wrestle in prayer for Bradford and everywhere else. Out of our identity and our purpose and the presence of God to empower us, our part is this, we wrestle in prayer. A second thing we do is this, we wrestle to proclaim the gospel. We wrestle to proclaim the gospel. God really wanted us to hear that one, didn't he? We wrestle to proclaim the gospel. Now that takes on many different forms. Adrian, last night, that was one form of wrestling to proclaim the gospel in a way that people can understand that's relevant and it connects where people are at. That's one part of it. But I'm talking about in every form. So if you're into narrative preaching, you're into systematic preaching, they're both valid, but at some point, make sure you're wrestling to proclaim truth in the gospel we need to wrestle in proclaiming truth just in our daily lives who do you start with you start with yourself okay each one of us needs to be wrestling at proclaiming the word of god first of all to me and from there i need to be wrestling in communicating god's truth in all the different forms with my kids and my family okay. i can't leave that just for our kids workers Okay, or for north, I've got to be doing that in my own home. I need to be wrestling to proclaim the good news of the gospel and what it is to be a follower of Jesus to myself and then to my kids and then to my neighbors. And again, I'm not quite sure what it's like here, but this is certainly where we're from. Okay, It is politically incorrect to proclaim Okay that there's one way to heaven, that there's one God, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And very, okay, over time, you forget and you cannot even realize that you can get very shy and you begin to wonder, well, you know what? Maybe there are other, you know, maybe we're all talking about the same God. All roads do lead to heaven. And very quickly, the society that we live in, and you kind of think, well, you know what? I'll proclaim it in church, but I won't proclaim it So if people want to come in here, then, but I won't share it where I'm going in my workplace, my sports teams, my drama team, whatever it might be. And folks, we need to wrestle to proclaim the gospel to ourselves, to our families, to our neighbors. And of course, for those who are preachers and teachers, we have this great responsibility to correctly handle the word of truth. Let me just remind you quickly, okay, of a couple of things. Romans ten: Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Okay, so somewhere as we're sharing our stories and all that, absolutely, we got lots of connection points. But at some point, we gotta the, the word of God has to come into play because faith comes through hearing the word of God. Second Timothy three: Knowledge for salvation comes from the word of God. Hebrews four: The word of God is living and Active, Paul said the word of God is like the sword of the spirit. We have to wrestle to proclaim. And that's proclaiming signs and wonders, healing, all those things. They're all wrapped into those things. Last thing, because I know time's going. Okay, Let me just read this prayer from Paul. It's such a good one. He says, pray also for me. This is Ephesians six nineteen. I pray this one for me all the time. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, Words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Okay. Last thing, okay, we need to persevere. We need to wrestle to persevere. Jesus wrestled to persevere, to do the Father's will. And if we're obeying Jesus and we're following Jesus. And as we're planting churches and we're trying to establish churches, as we're going to new nations, as we're learning new languages, as we're in new cultures and all these different things, we're going to have to wrestle to persevere because many times it's going to feel like, let's just give up. Why are we even doing this? It's not even affecting anyone. Let's just throw in the towel. Let's be done and let's do something else. And discouragement and attack and persecution all come our way and we get depressed and discouraged and all these things and we have to wrestle to persevere. Okay. Now, I've had that in my own life. Okay? We just don't have time to get into it, but I've had personally, okay, and I shouldn't be a big deal, Okay, because other people in, in the world are getting persecuted and losing their lives, so I feel a bit embarrassed even to share this. But in our context and culture, okay, blogs written against me, newspaper art, articles against me, in the press against me, and I don't care what anyone says, those things affect you. <laughs> And you have to wrestle through to persevere. It's easier now, but if you had me here 10 years ago, okay, I'm, I'm just a little guy from Pugwash. I'm in this little church of, sorry folks back home in Fredericton, of misfits, okay? And we're this little group, and we have nothing established, and we have nothing to brag about, and we have no track record, okay? And I had to battle, is my identity in that? Or is my identity in Christ? Am I called to do this? Am I called to go and make disciples? Is that my purpose in life? Then if it is, we're going to persevere. Is the Holy Spirit really with me? Then we're going to keep going. You might have this happen, okay? I had this happen last year. I was preaching, and on Sunday we're preaching on... So this is the proclamation persevering. We're preaching on the gospel. We're preaching on signs and wonders. We're preaching on deliverance and the kingdom of God. And it's one of those seasons in life where a lot of people are getting set free from demonic influence and all heaven was breaking loose. Guess what happened on Monday morning? This is where you have to persevere. Nothing came against me but my eight-year-old at school Out of the blue, a kid at recess time threw rocks at him. Totally out of, this never happened. The teacher that day was asking him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And this is the same kid. My son says, I want to be a peacekeeper. What a great, what a great answer. This kid pipes up, I want to join the army and be a bad guy and I want to kill you. later on, he talks about wanting to pour gasoline on him. This is eight years old. Now, this kid never did that before, but I knew what was going on. Okay? Satan's a terrorist. He doesn't just come after you, he comes where you're weak, vulnerable, and around. And Angela and I had to stand and say, We know what's going on, and we need to pray. Because you want to back off, right? Ooh, we better not talk about that again on Sunday. We better stop praying for people because we don't want our kids to get hurt. And we had to pray and persevere and fight in prayer. And guess what? Next day, there was no bullying thing. It was a spiritual thing. But we have to persevere. You're going to have to persevere against fear, family things, and as we've already talked about here, in finance. Now folks, my time's gone, so let me just wrap things up, okay? I believe God wants to establish in us personally... And us corporately together, as we go to the nations, from north the nations, as we, all these great things, you got to know this. What's your identity? Who are you? Who am I? And who are we together? What's my purpose in life? How am I going to do it? The presence of Almighty God is going to empower you and me and us together. And what are we going to have to do? We're going to have to wrestle in prayer. We're going to have to wrestle in proclaiming the gospel. We're going to have to wrestle in persevering as Jesus did. Can I lead us in a prayer? Okay, I know, as I said, why don't you stand? Okay, I'll let Jeremy and them sort out what comes next. But can I pray for us together that the truths of God's word would be cemented in our hearts and in our spirit? So as we go forth from here, individually, with our churches, church planting, making disciples, going to the nations. That we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your presence here. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for salvation. And we thank you that you give us our identity. That were new creations, that were in Christ, that were the people of God. And Father, we thank you that you give us purpose and meaning in life to worship you, to follow you, to go and make disciples of all the nations. Father, we are so grateful, God. How could we ever do it without you that you empower us with your Holy Spirit? And Father, I pray now, every person here, God, would you give them a willing heart and would you put a rod in their back? and a fight in their spirit, God, to wrestle in prayer for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, would you give us, Lord, just a enabling to proclaim your word at home in our neighborhoods in our churches lord everywhere we go May signs and wonders confirm your gospel may we do it in the power of the holy spirit and god may every person here in every church persevere in the things of god as discouragement comes as battles rage as opposition comes we pray god that you would come and give courage today to keep moving forward to persevere to keep our eyes fixed on jesus the author and perfecter of faith, the one who went before us, the one who went to the cross, who persevered and overcome and now allows us to overcome. God, would you cement that in our hearts? We pray today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.